Welcome to Something Positive for Positive People. I'm Courtney Brain. Something Positive for Positive People is getting people therapy who are struggling with the SCI stigma of living with a herpes diagnosis. As of right now, we're only able to work with people in Missouri until we expand our network, which our sponsors, your utilization of our sponsors, the podcast support, the donations that are coming in from donors, and all of the additional opportunities and exposure that we're getting is helping to support. So thank you for all of that. If you're unable to leave a donation, um, then if you could just share the podcast, leave us a review and help us with just getting seen by people who are in a better financial situation and able to help us progress toward our goal of expanding this into all of the states and perhaps even like a global thing where we're getting people help with uh, navigating the stigma with licensed mental health professionals. There's my one minute advertisement there. Hopefully uh, y'all didn't skip past that. <laughs> but today we have a guest. Um, what am I am I using your first name or should I call you something else? Didn't even think. I think about we that. decided you didn't have to call me a name. Damn. All right. Well, today's <laughs> guest <laughs> is going to talk about her experience. Uh, I'll let you talk and tell the story, and then I'll just jump in when we get to any important parts here. Um, if there's anything that like there's a pause, you feel like you gotta. If you feel like you're talking too much, just look at me. I'm gonna always have something to say. Okay. <laughs> All right. I'll probably look at you the whole time. I'll, I'll, I'll do a sign or something. Who knows? Um, <laughs> uh, yeah, so I was just diagnosed with HSV2 in April. Um, so I'm pretty new here. Um, I was married before I met the person that gave it to me. So I was with my ex-husband for seven years. And we just separated in December. And I met the new person, the guy I got it from, in April. And um, we started talking, and it was kind of a social distance thing because it was during corona times, of course. And then after a couple weeks, we met in person. And I I was nervous to begin with because I had only been with one person before that. So I'd only... I'd only, you know, had sex with my ex-husband. And, um, it was like a, it was nerve-wracking. It was scary. I didn't know what it was going to be like to be with a new person. Uh, but I really liked this guy. And we met at my apartment for the first day. And we, you know, we had sex. And, um, he, after the first time, like, he didn't want to, he didn't want to use protection. But we did at first, and he was like, "Oh, I don't." He's like, "Oh, I don't really like using condoms. Like it, it's hard for me to stay hard when I use condoms." And I was like, "Huh?" You know, he's just complaining. Um, <laughs> and like the third time, he we were like getting hot and heavy, and he tried to. He was like knocking on the door, you know, like he was trying to go in without protection. And I pushed him away, and I said, are you clean? Which is what you say, right? (laughs) And he was like, he said yes. And I, um, I was like, okay, whatever. 
attentive, but you know how sometimes you get into the moment. And it's it's kind of it was kind of like I didn't want to ruin the moment, you know. Um, so we didn't we didn't use protection anymore after that, at least for that day. And then I knew it, we would, that we would see each other again. Like, the moment he left my apartment the next day, he added me on Facebook, so I'm like, oh, I guess he liked me. <laughs> and, um, we saw each other again. And I started to kind of not feel very well the next day. I, I figured I was just sore the next day. And I'm like, oh, well, we kind of we did a lot, so... Maybe it's normal. Um, and then the day after that, I still wasn't feeling well, and I started texting him about it. And I told him, you know, like, you ruined my lady parts. And he was like, oh, yeah, my back hurt, too. Like, we did a lot. I'm like, okay. Um, I didn't know what to expect. I, I only knew one person. Like, I, I was so inexperienced. I, I was just, okay, maybe this is just how it is. Um, like, you have a new partner. And so I saw him again, and I still wasn't feeling good, and I told him, and I'm like, I don't know if we should do anything. He's like, oh, it's okay, I just want to spend time with you. So we still had sex again, like, twice. And that was a mistake. <laughs> um, because after that, the next morning, I was in, like, the worst of my life I felt like and I told him this is what people probably feel like after they give birth like it, it felt horrible and I knew it, it couldn't be something normal and I talked to him about it and he's like oh I'm so sorry like for being too rough um <laughs> what happened next oh this can be one of those points where I start asking questions because <laughs> I got questions. Yeah, you can. All right. You were <laughs> okay, married for seven years. You just got divorced in December. When did you get married? Or how yeah. old are you? I'm 24 right now. You got, um, you got married at 17? No, we started dating when I was 17. Oh, okay. You've been together for seven years. Got it. Yeah, we started dating when I was 17. He was 22. And we got married when I was 22. And he was... I guess, 27. <laughs> yeah. Okay, and this is the only person yeah. that you've been with? Yeah, he was the only guy I'd been with before that. I Before that, I didn't have any sexual partners. I was I had a friend that, that sexually abused me before that. Mm. So my husband was like a safe person. And we stayed together for a long time. And after I got therapy for that and... I kind of picked apart what was going on. I realized that I was only with him because I felt like he was safe. So um, I had to leave that relationship after being together so long. Yeah. Therapy would do that to you. <laughs> Make you just turn your world upside yeah. down and be like, you know what? Now that I think about it, I don't actually want to be married to you. <laughs> oh, <laughs> oh my gosh. So, I'm going to assume that you initiated the divorce. Yeah. 
What were the grounds for it? Were they just, I'm not happy or what? Um, we had been having some trouble before that, maybe for a year around, like a year before we actually separated, I started telling him like, hey, I'm really not happy. I think we should get couples counseling. And he's like, what if someone finds out that we're in therapy? Uh, oh. I don't know So, like, I, I, I kind of equate that to what if someone finds out we've, we've we've got this deep, dark secret. What if someone finds out I have herpes? You know, that's a very similar and relatable thing that I'm sure people listening will be able to relate to is, like, what if, I, what if someone finds out about this? Like, going to therapy isn't supposed to be this taboo thing, and people believe that you only need to go when there's something that needs to be fixed or when something needs to be worked on, something's broken. Or something's wrong with you, but that's not the case. And for you, you know, you just were unhappy. You recognized your unhappiness, and you were in therapy. It's as simple as that. Just recognizing something may not be congruent with uh, what your what your beliefs are, um, and you may not be doing the things that you want to do. So it's okay for you to seek help. You know, if you can't find something at the store, you'll ask a cashier for help. Or someone that's working there where you can find so-and-so. So what's the difference in sort of navigating your way through the aisles of your mental health? Exactly. I need to put that on a um, t-shirt. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, so we did end up going to counseling a couple months before I decided to separate. But I, I think the counseling helped me realize that I already made my decision. Mm. If that makes any sense. Yeah. It made me realize that I knew that there was nowhere for us to go from there. Okay. We thought so differently. And um, what was it that, um, I guess, what was the final straw here that led to you actually getting a divorce? Like, along the way, was there any particular thing that happened that made you go, yep, divorce? I wouldn't say it was like, specific event I think that it was like kind of a build up of so many things um just realizing that he wasn't my romantic like we were together for a long time but I never felt like I was head over heels in love with him and I I wanted to have those feelings before before I met him like i I don't want to feel, like, any strong feelings about anything. I want to be responsible. I want to do the right things and just basically be perfect. Um, and he happened to be there. He liked me, and we got together. And I was never – it was never, like, a passionate thing. The passion wasn't there. Yeah, because it was safe. And as I grew older – yeah. Mm. What were you saying? As I grew older, I realized – yeah, as I grew older, I realized that um, I I wanted to feel the feelings that normal human people feel for other people. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah, I think I get that. Um, so you went to what was safe. You went to, uh, you stuck with it out of convenience, it sounds like. And you just kind of realized that you were waking up to yourself and what you really want and what... Uh, you weren't having that. You weren't having those experiences. It sounds like you just kind of grew up and recognized, like, hey, I'm, I'm an adult now. I want to do 
things. So uh, just out of curiosity, like, was this at all centered around you wanting to explore your sex life with other people because he had been the only person that you'd been with? Like, was there any resentment to him having having taken away your experiences that you should have had by now? I'd say that was part of it, but I never felt like he took it away from me. I, I, you know, I chose to be with him. And at first, it was nice because I wasn't really excited about having sex anyway. Um, like, I knew it was something people weren't supposed to like, but I never really liked it. And, you know, I, I mostly did it because it was for him. Like, I wanted him to be happy and feel like we were in a romantic relationship. Oh, man. Uh, so, over- what about you? What about you? I know. Yeah, I know. Um, over time, my feelings about that changed, especially with therapy, too. My therapist would be like, uh, why don't you like having sex? And I'm like, I don't know. <laughs> Maybe I just don't. Um, but I I guess I realized that I could like it if maybe I was with the right person or, you know, I always wanted to see how I felt about it and get some experiences. That makes sense. Um, now, yeah. you and this guy, you he added you on Facebook, so you guess that he liked you. Um, first relationship after your marriage, or first interaction, date, sexual experience outside of your marriage, now that you're divorced, um, what was the difference for you? Was there a difference between when you were married and having sex versus now having gone out into the world of dating in 2020 during a pandemic with the uh, online dating options that we have and the mental health issues that are so prevalent from people as a result, you know, how was this? Because I imagine it's like night and day. Uh, yeah, it was insane. I mean, initially, I, I started to really like him and he was definitely my type, more my type than my husband. Um, and when we met, it was so, like when we met in person, there was such strong chemistry that I had never experienced before. Like, I didn't know what it was like to be attracted to someone, like, that much. Um, and it was definitely night and day. Like, we, like I said, we had really strong chemistry. And we had sex probably, like, within 30 minutes of meeting in person. Hey, that Which I think don't act like this. You ain't gotta act like that's a bad thing. That happens. <laughs> I know. I like for all the kids out there. That's ill advised. <laughs> um, okay. So where are y'all at uh, from this point? Where you said that you were having pain, and um, he was still in the picture, and he was like, I guess it sounds like what I heard was that he was basically feeling himself. He was like, yeah, I, I beat that up. I wore it out. <laughs> I, yeah, I guess it, he was kind of saying that. Um, but he didn't really seem like that concerned, <laughs> honestly. So that day after he left, I made an appointment with the doctor. And I went to the doctor a week after our first meeting. And... The doctor took one look and she was like, that's herpes. 
No. And I just burst into tears immediately. The pain that you had, it was internal. So it was, it wasn't on the surface. It wasn't on your vulva. It was inside your vagina. No, it was everywhere. Internal, external, like all over the place. Oh, did you not see this on your own? Were you unable to see it or did you not look or what? So I, I had pain like, like lower down, but there were like two bumps on the outside that I saw. And I was like, I don't know what those bumps are. Could be pimples or whatever. Okay. But the doctor said the bumps were herpes. And she definitely looked inside, too, so she saw everything. Okay. All right. Now, you started crying. Yeah. And the first thing I said was, what am I supposed to say to him? Because no one tells you how to, how to have that conversation. And I honestly had no idea. Like, I, I knew about herpes. Like, the, I, I started crying because I knew it was permanent. And that's pretty much all I knew about it at the time. And the doctor said, you know, it's possible that he doesn't know that he has it. A lot of people don't know. She's like, 80% of people who have it don't know they have it. I'm like, okay. I will talk to him about it later. But while I was at the doctor, he was texting me and calling me, but I didn't respond because um, I just wasn't ready to talk to him yet. Did he know you were going to the He really doctor? wanted to. Yeah, he did. He really wanted to know what they said. Okay. And I just I wasn't ready to talk about it. So I drove home and I just like, cried the whole way and I didn't know who to talk to or even how to live, and once I got home, I called my mom, and I just told her, I, like, started crying, and she's like, what's wrong, and I just told her, and the doctor told me I had herpes, and she told me when I talked to him, I just need to be as strong as possible, um, she's like, you don't even have to talk to him. Did you hear me? As strong as possible was the last thing I heard. Oh, yeah. She told me to be as strong as possible and not cry when I talked to him. And to, she's like, you don't even have to talk to him. Just text him and tell him what happened. I just didn't feel right about that. I felt like it was a phone conversation, you know? And so I waited like two hours. (laughs) Can you imagine? And so and then I, I talked, and then I, once I felt like I calmed down, I called him, and the first thing I said, which is like a way to start a conversation, and this, I'd say this is ill-advised too, please never start a conversation this way. I said, do you know you have herpes? And he said, no, I had no idea. And he was like, fuck, fuck, fuck. And he apologized. And I was like, I guess it's possible you didn't know. And he's like, I really didn't know. And he said he would understand if I didn't want to see him anymore. And I'm like, I just need to kind of think about it. Give me a second, you know? Yeah, that's a really interesting response to me. Did you know that you have herpes? And then for the person who has been accused... 
to be like, well, it's okay if you don't want to see me anymore, like, without even knowing, without being like, hold up. That's just not a normal reaction to someone finding out that someone they had just been having sex with has herpes or who's being accused of having herpes. It just doesn't sound right. Exactly. I mean, at the time, I just assumed that he responded that way because he knew that I only give up one person before him. But I feel like if I really didn't know, then wouldn't you question it and be like, uh, what do you mean? Yeah. <laughs> but I don't know. At the time, I just believed him. Okay. And so I called him the next day and we started seeing each other again. Now, when like, you called, really <laughs> when you called him the next day, and y'all kept seeing each other. Was this a "Hey, I like you still, and I want to keep seeing you," or was this "Oh well, fuck it, we both got it now"? No, no, it was it was like a "Hey, I like you, let's keep dating each other" okay. kind of conversation. Good, good. Yeah, like he came over and stuff, and we talked about it, and it was it was a very tough conversation. Like he called me herpes girl and stuff. It was terrible. All right. Yeah. Continue. Yeah. <laughs> but it was very tense at first. Um, and, okay. So the following week, I went to his house for the first time, and we were hanging out. the expiration date or the date on it if it had one the date was six months before we met knew someone right (laughs) (laughs) yeah and it was it was honestly a horrible moment like I, I was just shocked I have to say I was just shocked and I felt scared like my fight or flight came on and I, my body chose flight, so I put it back, and I just got dressed, and once it came out of the bathroom, I told him I had to leave, and I didn't say anything about it. Um, and I feel like most people would say, like, why didn't you yell at him, or, like, confront him or something, but I was scared. I felt like I didn't want to be alone with him anymore in that moment. So I just ran out of there, and I called my parents, and I told them what happened, and I left town for two weeks. But I told him I was leaving. I called him, like, the next day, and I said, I'm going back to my parents. And (sighs) a week passed before I spoke to him again. And it wasn't a very good conversation, I must say, because I confronted him about the pills, and I came to at him as compassionate as I could muster. And I waited a week so that I had time to, like, have those initial feelings to dissipate a little bit, but I knew that 
I was still kind of in, I was kind of still in his hooks, so he could say anything, and I would be fine with it probably. And I feel like at this point I know that that was kind of like trauma bonding, and because getting diagnosed with herpes is a, tra- is a traumatic experience. I think it is for most of us, and that we were going through, not just me. But I realized it was just me at that point. He wasn't going through anything. <laughs> he had already been through it. <laughs> what? Yeah, like he had a six month head start at least. At least. Yeah. So <clears throat> I called him one day and he was angry at me for leaving. And so I felt like it wasn't a good time to talk about it. So the next day I called him. And I said, I know that you've been lying. Just as direct and plain as possible, this is how I am. And he said, what do you mean? You know, with lying about what? Um, and he, he really wouldn't give up the information. I said, I know you're lying about that you knew it before. You knew you had it before. <clears throat> and he said, no, I didn't. I've never been tested for this. No one I know has been tested for this. Like, no one he had been with. And I said, how do you know? (laughs) I know. And he was like, I just know that. And he's like, I don't know who you talk to or where you're going with this, but I've never been tested for this. Makes me wonder if he's ever even been tested. (laughs) I think he was telling the truth about that. I honestly think that he hadn't been tested. But he had been diagnosed. Oh, shit, we get into that. Like, probably visually, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, I was diagnosed visually. Um, And before that, I didn't mention this before, but he told me he never had any symptoms, which is, like, why he apparently didn't know he had it. You don't just get a prescription for Valtrex without symptoms. Exactly. So... He, he really would not give up the information, so I finally said, I found a cyclovir in your drawer. And he just said, mm-hmm. It wasn't me. And, no, no, no. <laughs> yeah, that's <fine>. Basically. <laughs> and he just said, like, here, and they just gave me those. They didn't diagnose me with anything. Excuse me? <laughs> I know. And I said, why did they give it to you then? And then he said he, they told me I had genital warts. And me knowing some things, I know that they don't prescribe a cycle for fear for genital warts. <laughs> Did you call him on it, or what? And it's also possible... No, I didn't. I just said, because I was shocked by that information, I just said, why did... I said, um... I guess I might have that, too, is what I said. And he was just like, right. And... I asked him why he didn't tell me. And he said, I didn't think it was anything bad. I thought I would just take the pills, and they would go away. 
didn't know how to. I, I, I just told him basically that I didn't know how I was supposed to just believe what he was telling me. Like, how am I supposed to believe that? Uh, so, we talked for a long time, and he just basically went on and on about how he was so sorry, and he he knows that he fucked up, and he would do anything to fix it, and he would never do anything to hurt me on purpose, you know, stuff like that. So, so at any point... Did he deny or express that this was his fault? Did he take any kind of ownership at all? Not really. He always maintained that he didn't know he had it. So, hey, possibly he was just like, well, I didn't know. So, or he maybe wasn't sure. So he couldn't really take responsibility for it. How old is he? 26. In my experience, I know that one thing that happened for me when I didn't disclose was I had this, uh, well, shit, even outside of herpes, actually. I would do this thing where I would be so honest in something irrelevant that would make whatever lie or deception I was involved with not bad, right? So what I'm hearing here is when he says, I didn't know I had it, he knew he had it, but he's saying that essentially if you were to continue to ask questions, it probably would have come down to, I did not have the symptoms, walk in, get a diagnosis, receive a diagnosis, like, he could have gotten tested and they could have been calling him and he just never answered the phone. So he can't know that he has herpes because he never received the diagnosis because he avoided the phone call, like that kind of shit. Or um, in terms of like having sex with someone, it, it could be like, well, they didn't ask, so I didn't do anything wrong. They didn't ask me if I had herpes. You asked me if I was clean. Yeah, I'm clean. I took a shower. What do you mean? <laughs> you know, that's yeah. kind of the kind of person that this is striking me as, like someone who would do that kind of thing. If you don't ask the question specifically, you won't get the right answer. You won't get the truthful answer. They're not going to lie to you, but they're also not going to tell the truth. Like Sometimes he would lie directly, but I feel like his style was mostly, he would tell the truth about a related thing. Like, like when he said, that he was never tested. That was probably true. Like when I asked him, you knew her, he's like, I've never been tested. Can you repeat that last part there? You asked him. I asked him. I told him that I knew he knew he had it before we met. He just said he tested. So. It's like a half-truth, right? All right, now I need you to repeat what you just said again. Oh, is it, is it breaking up? It was. It stopped. <laughs> okay. Um, yeah, so I when I was confronting him about it, and I said that I knew that he knew he had it before, he just said that he had never been tested, which is like a half-truth. Or maybe, yeah. 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 Okay. So, 
really laid it on thick after that. He was trying to, like, really make me feel like he cared about me and stuff because he knew what I wanted to hear. Because my my thing was, like, I felt, I'm like, I feel like you don't care about me. And that's kind of what I was saying. How and long into the he, relationship or how long of dating was going on? Because... This was your first relationship beginning in March was when you started dating. So March, where are we, when did you get diagnosed? April 20th. I got diagnosed on April 30th. Oh, wait, April. I remember I was thinking 420, but it was April 2020. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. So you got diagnosed in April. So May, June, July, August, here we are at this point. So this conversation was in May. Okay. So this is happening in May. That's that's where we are. In the middle of May. Okay. being your first relationship since your marriage I imagine that you either have this really high standard of how you know you deserve to be treated or it's a really low standard of how you expect to be treated like which was that was it either of those at all like did you I feel like I had some high expectations in the beginning but once I got diagnosed uh, my self-esteem went into the negatives um and I felt like I would do anything to keep him around. Yeah. Like, whatever happens, like, you know, I, we both have it, so there's no risk of giving it to him. Mm-hmm. And I still really liked him. I'm like, I wanted to give him a chance, and he was a real smooth talker, you know? Yeah. And he had this, per- he had, I couldn't nail down the personality. Like, sometimes he'd be very sweet, like a Sour Patch Kid. Like, sometimes he'd be really sweet. Other times he'd be really mean. Um... I would have put know? I would have put that in the title of this episode. <laughs> <laughs> no, because I think that's a that's a really good description here. Because you know, he's saying he cares about you. He's apologetic, but this happened. You know, it's not like there was no chance of this happening and you finding out. Like, what would have happened if you didn't find the pills? What would have happened if? You didn't confront him. What would have happened if you didn't show symptoms initially? There's all these 
factors here that play a role in his behavior. Like, I, I, I'm not to, you know, I don't know what the relationship is at this point, but I feel like this episode is more so saying something about him than it is you and how we deal with our diagnoses or we don't deal with them at all. And we have a situation of a 26-year-old man who had medication from at least six months ago and is just like not choosing to responsibly handle it. You know, I look at the way that even how you're talking about it, like you're at least aware that you hadn't dealt with your diagnosis. You're aware that your self-esteem is low, but for someone who isn't consciously looking at what's happening, uh, what's happening in this experience of dealing with an STI diagnosis or navigating the stigma of having one, so much damage can be done, not just to these people, but also to other people, you know? And you're someone who just got out of a marriage and now you've got to deal with the stigma. You know, you did everything, quote, right that society tells you to do. And you were married, you were with one person. And the first time you go out, you have this experience. So that's, it's the Sour Patch Kid thing just kind of really, it really sticks with me because it's like, you know, how do you go from being night to day? And I think that perhaps this diagnosis was something that, Flip the switch for this guy. You know, I have no idea. And honestly, I have this fear. I mean, talking about him. I have this fear that he's probably going to, he's probably out there spreading it around, you know, still. And not, he's not disclosing, probably. All he's going to, I feel perhaps, like all he's going to do is hide his medication better. Exactly, and I I know part of me knows that he did not expect this to happen, or you know maybe he wanted it to happen. He was he really rushed the relationship. Mm-hmm. Like he talked about marriage and kids like really fast. He wanted to have kids. He wanted to get married. He would say stuff like I can't wait to marry you and and all that stuff. He wanted to move in together. Like oh three weeks after. Oh my god! We you just together. got love bombed. <laughs> You've been love bombed. Yeah, like incredibly. Oh. So I'm learning about a couple of uh, mental health statuses. I think we call them that. Um, borderline personality disorder and narcissist ah, disorder, I guess it's a disorder. I don't know. Narcissism, I guess. Um, maybe it's like a personality thing because what you're describing is like two different, essentially like two different people because you got the, this isn't my fault. No, you're responsible for this. Or he's not directly saying that, but like deflecting all your shit. Like you come to him like, hey, did you know you have herpes? No. And that's it. And like, oh, that's for HPV. So you gave me HPV too? Huh? Huh? Maybe. (laughs) Possibly. Yeah, that's, that's interesting. Um, but it doesn't have anything to do with this. Like I'm, I'm just making my observations and like light bulbs are going off in my head, um, on just how important it is that we deal with this. Um, it's a trauma. It's a traumatic event. Sexually transmitted disease diagnosis is in fact a sexual trauma. And so you having been someone who's already experienced a sexual trauma, um, prior to even being sexually active, like I can only imagine what this did for you. Like, it was just a compounding traumatic situation. It may have even reinforced the initial trauma. Yeah, I, I definitely, I, I 
feel that way, I, especially at first, um, when I stopped seeing him. So in June, I stopped seeing him. Good and it you. was partly because, partly because it was, he dropped the L word. And I felt very weird about that. Um, and uh, he was having an outbreak. And he told me about it. He's like, I'm having an outbreak right now. Like, you're not supposed to be having outbreaks. <laughs> um, and there was also there was also the combination of all the other mistreatment that I haven't really talked about here yet. And I just realized that if I didn't like it, then I wasn't going to like it later. Like, it was already escalating. So it's possible that he was already planning to start mistreating me. But the herpes diagnosis uh, just escalated it. It made it quicker, you know, because he probably felt like he already had me. Mm. That makes sense. You know what I mean? Yeah. And, uh, and again, I, I hate that we're making this about him, but there's just so much here to explore and talk through because that's another thing. It's like, ha, I gotcha. Now you gotta be with me. And where that comes from and like, if you really do that to somebody, if you're like targeting people that you're going to try and make them have herpes because he deliberately did this because he didn't want to use condoms. He didn't want to use condoms very fast, knowing that there's a risk of passing this virus on to you. Had he used condoms, perhaps you may not have gotten it. You know, that would have reduced the risk significantly. Um, but he just just didn't. <laughs> he just, like, I feel like he was trying to target and trap you. Yeah. And that's, I, it may be wrong, but that's how I feel in hearing this. Um, yeah, I mean, I can't ask him, and even if I did ask him, he probably wouldn't tell the truth. No, no. Um, you guys are very potentially and, abusive relationship. You got out of a pre-abuse situation, in my eyes at least, because this would have been held over your head. I don't know if he did that during the time period that you were together, being like, well, no one else is going to want you. I feel like he didn't make it into that stage yet because you um, didn't let him. Yeah, I mean, it was definitely getting there. but And it was, it was hard to say, like, I don't want to see you anymore. Like, I had that conversation with him, and I didn't know what he said because I said it over the phone, and he, the phone broke up when he said something, so I don't know what he said. Um, <laughs> but it, it was hard, and it was hard the first month, it was hard the second month, it's hard now. I don't feel like, um, I don't feel like I'm totally over it, but I don't know if I ever will be, you know what I mean? Um, because even with you know someone for a short time, certain people can have a big impact on your life. And obviously, this guy had a huge impact on my life. And it's tough, and I, I kind of wish that there was more I could do. I haven't spoken to him since June. Like, we're not in contact anymore. Mm-hmm. And that's just how it is. <laughs> yeah. Um, collectively, have, how do you feel about this? Have you sorted through this in therapy at all? Irretrievably angry at him, you know, and I feel like I'm still in a massive restraint 
<laughs> uh, so I prided myself for that. Um, just being like so angry, wishing that I could like make him feel the way I feel. But I know that's not realistic. Um, and I also go into these phases of like justifying his actions. Because I'm like, oh, it must have been really hard for him. Like, it must have been hard for him, too. Stop, but, stop, stop, stop. Yeah, babe. I know, I know. You, you know, know what you're doing. All right, as long as you recognize it. All right, all right. Because yeah. uh, the the womanly, nurturing, feminine side of you is probably wanting to empathize and feel empathy for him and make him not to be a bad guy. Like, no, <laughs> he did this shit deliberately. Yeah. And no, nobody could convince me and, otherwise. Like, I, I learned that my feelings didn't matter, you know? So the, the first time we recorded, you mentioned something about feelings with your husband. Did you, was it that you had to do a lot of emotional labor in that marriage? Did you mention before when we tried to record that there was a lot of, um, emotional labor in your marriage that you were responsible for? Yeah, I think I mentioned that I felt like I I was doing all the emotional labor in that relationship, like trying to always make it work. But it's possible that we were just so incompatible that, you know, a lot of guys, they don't know how to be emotionally supportive. <laughs> but I am a really sensitive, like, emotional person. So also with the second guy, and I wish I could say names, but I can't. Um, with the second guy, he was really good at, like, performative empathy. Like, he could pretend to be empathetic. Ooh. That and sounds... And then he would turn around and he would... Now, that sounds more like narcissism. Wait, what was that? That sounds more like narcissism now. Yeah, like... Yeah, and the way he was to respond to things was, oh, it was so confusing, but... That's neither here nor there. So, um, I, I talked to my therapist about all this stuff. Like, I have those, I have those vacillating feelings of being like, I don't know how I'm supposed to feel about this. Mm-hmm. And there's no real way that you're supposed to feel. And I feel the way I do, yeah. you know? What I'm picking up is just I like, wish there was more. Go ahead. I'm sorry. No, you go ahead. I was just going to say, um. What I'm picking up from you is frustration, a little anger. Because, uh, like, that, this wasn't how this was supposed to be. I don't know if you had intentions of, like, having different experiences and being able to have sex with many people or date and have many, you know, uh, dating experiences or even make friends or just be open to what it was that's out there. Or even if this was something that you uh, actually wanted or you just kind of stumbled into. But, um I would feel like after having, you know, just this excitement of, oh, I'm free, I would have feel like something was taken away from me after this experience. I do. I mean, I I feel like I was open to whatever experiences were out there. And with this guy, like, I, I liked him, but I, I always knew from the beginning that he wasn't going to be a permanent installment in my life. Yeah. Um, because we had very different lives. Um, but I started to feel like he had to be, especially when I was first diagnosed. Mm-hmm. 
now I have these this feeling of like I don't think I can date anyone, and it's not because I feel like I'm dirty or whatever. I'm like I know that it's okay. Um, but that relationship messed me up so much that I am like I think I need to reevaluate all of my plans <laughs> for what I'm supposed to be doing. Yeah. Um, you know how one one thing like one person can make you reevaluate all your plans. That's all it takes. Um, it is all it takes, and just for such a short time, too. Um, and, what was I going to say? I thought I wanted to have all those experiences of just, like, going out there and meeting with a lot of guys and seeing what I like the best. Um, but it just didn't work out that way. And I, my view on that has changed, too, where I'd rather just find my one person. Like, I like to have a person. I don't want to deal with all the confusion or, like, miscommunication that comes with having multiple partners or, like, the dating scene these days. I have no idea what's going on. I haven't been single since I was 17. <laughs> so, um, and now it just feels harder because um, I'm 24 years old and I'm divorced and I have herpes. You mature. That's what that is. And it feels... It feels like a lot. Yeah. Like, it's kind of heavy. And I've only been with two people. <sighs> yeah. Well, um... Let's see. How can we... How can we frame this? Um... <laughs> one thing I <laughs> oh could... Oh, my God. <laughs> one thing I could say here is that... You know, a lot of the people that I've spoken with throughout the duration of this work, this podcast, the nonprofit, is that after a certain point, no one regrets having herpes. They don't regret the experiences that came after their diagnosis because this is part of their transformation process when they choose to integrate it into that. Um, I've, for myself, like, I've put up this barrier of resistance to herpes having been such a huge part of my own growth, my own transformation in life and how I view things, how I live and uh, do things that I do. And I'm now beginning to accept this, not as something separate of me or not as something like I'm not going to give herpes credit for. You know, I'll say that I'll give it the credit that it's due. I'm not going to sit up here and say like <laughs> herpes did, herpes evolved me like it. Like, I don't know if you ever heard of Pokemon or played Pokemon, but like when they when the Pokemon touch the element of their stone, they evolve. Like, I don't want to make it look like herpes touched me and I just changed. It was the experiences that came after my herpes diagnosis. And this being so new to you and so fresh, you're going to have transformational experiences for yourself, right? Yeah, this was your first yeah. two, but like now moving forward, not only do you have to uh, ethically have a conversation about sexual health, but you also now have, you don't have what you had at first, which was just, all right, I know I don't want this from your marriage. And then you go out and run into anything. Now you have, okay, I like this about my marriage and I like this about dating, uh, whatever his name was. And then the things that you don't like, you can see more clearly and not engage with those things. And you can start to engage more with what it is that you will um, want to be pursuing moving forward. So, yeah, um, that's, that's exactly right. Like, it makes, 
I feel like all the things that I used to be insecure about before, I'm like, you know what, whatever, that's okay. Like, I'm still a hot chick. I can still go out there and do whatever I want. Um, and whoever the right person is, is going to accept it. Exactly. Do you have any, um, like, final takeaways or anything? Like, I, I would like to know, like, where are you right now? Like, in life and dating and your personal life, like, is this keeping you from being yourself? Um, I feel like I'm still in the healing process of just, like, you know, trying to connect myself back to the person I was before. Because it's, like, that hard disconnect of, like, I don't even know who I am anymore. And right now I'm rediscovering myself. And it feels like a transition period, mostly. And I, I feel like I've come a long way. Like, at first, I was just, like, laying on the floor crying every day. Uh, now I feel much stronger. Like, I'm I'm getting there, you know? I have support groups. I have a support system. In my normal life, a lot of my friends and family know that I have this. And they know about the guy. And they told me many times to stay away from him. <laughs> and it's, it's a process. It's a journey. Good for you for taking that time and making this time for yourself. Yeah, it's it's single lady time. I was with someone for seven years, you know? Like, I gotta do my thing. Yeah. <laughs> mm -hmm. All right, well, is there anything you want to leave people with before I let you go? Oh, don't call someone, ask them if they knew they had herpes. That's kind of a mean thing to say on the phone. That's the first thing. <laughs> take that <laughs> all right uh thank you so much for your time person whose name i'm not gonna say i guess i didn't have to say it at all now that i'm thinking about it except it would have just been an introduction <laughs> all right that concludes this episode of something positive for positive people please like rate review share subscribe to this podcast on your favorite listening platform Please support our sponsors. Supporting our sponsors supports the podcast, and that's one of the best ways that you can do so outside of making direct donations for us to continue to help get people therapy. Um, we've, As of right now, I have eight people enrolled in 12 sessions each, and as we go through the process, it'll be a matter of collecting the information from them about their experiences so that we can proceed with some kind of data and results that say here's what we're doing for people so um fingers crossed it all goes well send us good vibes and eventually once we get to a place where we're making enough money i can start paying myself i can get this rv and make it soundproof start traveling around the world and interviewing people in the van and putting on like events i'll be certified for yoga so maybe we can do like some something positive yoga retreats and some live podcasts with interviews i'm just putting this out into the universe now so if you are someone with an rv that's donating it or something and we can soundproof trick that thing out let me know uh but that's definitely something that i want to work towards so um 
I am active on social media, mainly Instagram and Reddit at H on my chest. My Twitter handle has now gone private. I'm still on there by the same name if people want to connect, but you'll just have to shoot me a message. Um, my Twitter is just going to be a personal Twitter now. It's not going to be something positive for positive people related. Is there anything else that I need to announce? Nope, probably not. Till next time, stay sex positive.